have an Amazon Prime account? You can subscribe to Q Sports Talk on Twitch for free. Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Subscribe now through your Amazon Prime account. Attention radio listeners. Ooh, Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Beheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Well, people in Central New York claim that uh, Roosevelt Bowie is the best center Syracuse University has ever had. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention. And good morning, everybody. It is 10.02 right here in central New York. January 7th, 2020. Day two of the rest of your life. The Centers of Attention experiment. So far, so good. No deaths reported. No major injuries. Couple of bruised egos. That's all I've noticed so far. Uh, but I thought the other guys did a good job, and I thought we had some fun yesterday, too. Uh, tonight, it's a big day for Syracuse sports. Uh, of course, anytime Syracuse basketball is playing, uh, blame the ACC Network, because we're not tipping off until 9 o'clock. What in the what? What? I will be shutting down around 8.45. Like, what? What are you doing to me? But that's all right. Uh, 9 o'clock tip. Tonight, uh, Syracuse and Virginia Tech. Um, and if tonight is anything like Saturday, I will be looking forward to the postgame show. Now, win or lose, obviously, we want to win. I mean, we're, we're not naive to what, what this is, but I want a, I want a postgame after a really fun game. If you think about the football season combined with the basketball season, it has pretty much been either a blowout win or a blowout loss. And yeah, it's not everything that last game, the last football game was something um, where the fourth quarter kind of mattered. I remember doing that post game, but man, I, it's just, I just want to, I want a post game where I have a guy like Eric Devendorf, uh, right? Like it brings a ton of energy and I want Eric Devendorf to say, well, the pick was set by this guy, and that was why they had the winning basket, and that's the defense they played, and the stop was... Like, I want that conversation. That's what you had if we were doing that show on Saturday. And I wasn't there. We we were Twitch only, and Eric wasn't there, and I wasn't there. And Buckshot, which I have uh, explained something about Buckshot in a, in a minute, because it's a big day for Buckshot. Um, but nonetheless, like, that's fun. Like, that's... That's why you get into this business. Like you get very excited about that. And assuming that Syracuse continues to shoot like that, um, I look forward to having that kind of a post game. It is so selfish when I say it because it's literally just my enjoyment factor. But at this point in the Syracuse season, I'll take a win any way you get it. If you want to win by 30, if you want to win by five, if you want to win by one, just win. And Virginia Tech is coming off a brutal loss to Virginia. And I happened to see that game. I Not not all of it, but a little bit of it. And I was just like, oh, my God. And the funny part was is I saw it was Virginia Tech. And, you know, because I was in a restaurant. And 
I didn't have the sound on, and it was just a game that was on. And I sat at the bar, and I said, oh, that's Virginia Tech. That's who Syracuse is playing. And some guy next to me, and he was like, I, I don't know who he was, but he just comes out, and he just says, he says, really? He goes, you're going to have an easy time with that. And he was just like, he was just kind of mocking the Hokies. So I'm not going to mock anybody. Uh, they have played a relatively uh, weak schedule so so far. They do have one big win. Uh, they beat Michigan State in the big the, the Big Ten ACC Challenge thing. Um, that's when Syracuse lost to Iowa. Um, so you know they're not completely awful, uh, but they got crushed by Virginia, and Virginia is is great uh, as, as it sounds. So uh, that's kind of the set the table on what's going on in Syracuse today. And now I say hello to my broadcast partner, Danny Shays. And uh, Danny, we were just touching on the idea that. You know, you'll take a win anytime you get, but if you have to do a post-game show, could it be like a two-point game, a one-point game? Give me something to break down. Was I given misinformation? Is he not there? Okay. Well, we don't have Danny, so we'll get to Danny in just a second. There we go. Now do we have Danny? You do. Oh, okay. Look at that. I can't do the intro again. I can't do the the. I can't. I can't ask you a good, a, a very uh, elaborate question again. So this is take three. So I'm just going to say, how you doing, Danny? Great. Great. This shows off to a, ro- a roaring start. Uh, we were touching on Virginia Tech, and we were touching on the idea that. Well, that the joke's over. I mean, I can't even do the joke anymore. But Virginia Tech got blown out by Virginia. They do have a big win against Michigan State, and hopefully they they run into a buzzsaw like the uh, Syracuse Orange, and they get the same kind of offensive performance that you got in the uh, in, in in Saturday's game against Notre Dame. Well, what's so amazing is you know we did see eighty-seven points of offense, right? Which is quite a show. Fifteen threes, fifty percent almost from the line, uh, moving the ball well. They did a lot of good things, right? I mean, the coin flip game, uh, one basket the other way, and we're having a whole different conversation. How you know they've righted the ship, and uh, you know they're on their way. So it's uh, you know those those tough losses are always. Uh, you know, kind of numbing a little bit that way. So, so let's get back on the saddle, right? The, you keep playing. Every game adds up, and you know, maybe sometime down the road, you win one you shouldn't. That makes this one back, and, and you're back in the saddle, right? So, uh, so that's what I'm expecting for uh, the game tonight. Well, hopefully, you start to see that, and you start to see, uh, you know, them being able to to do a little bit more. We'll be talking to Donna Detota in like six minutes, uh, so we'll get her perspective on that uh, as we go on, and we'll get you know more in depth into Syracuse basketball uh, with her as we go. Um, what is your attitude on players declaring for the draft? And let's do it more specifically for football because it's a different. I think it's very different than basketball. Um, We saw three guys on Arizona State. We saw Tua Tungaviola declare for the draft. And I I would say this. I think he's a huge risk given his hip injury. I know they're talking about him as a top-five quarterback. I don't see it. Um, I'd be very nervous. And if I'm Tungaviola, I come back and prove myself in college. I 
I I understand the the, the, the lore of the the paycheck, and I I understand the paycheck is very very important, but. I feel like about Tua Tunga Viola, the same way I do about O'Shea Brissett. They're not the same player, but it's the same mentality. It's the rush to get paid, and you become a liability. I think that at the end of the day, uh, pro teams draft potential. They don't draft results because results in college are results in college. You, I mean, this is a, a you know a quantum step up especially at the quarterback position where you have to come in and learn schemes and the pace of the game and the reads are different. Uh, I, I mean, because very few college teams, even the top ones, um, you know, play what's considered, you know, a true, you know, pro pace, pro style, pro toughness, pro, you know, all those things. So at the end of the day, if he comes in and, you know, becomes one of those quarterbacks who gets a year or two of, you know, behind somebody to take over or, or even if he's thrown in, you know, look, he's, He's got his chances. And the, the one thing about football, there's so much inherent risk, as we've seen, right? Just with Tua, he's got, you know, this high ankle injury. He's got his hip injury. Um, you know, if he's, look, if he's going to be a top five pick, I say go for it. Because, you know, so much of the crapshoot anyway. What team do you end up with? What coaching staff right. do you have? Who do you have around you? And, uh, you know, look, he, these guys go to college to learn a skill, to, you know, make a living, and that is in sports. So, uh uh, so it is a double-edged sword, but I think that, for, especially football, they're at least juniors. Uh, you know, those guys are, are you know, as, as, as ready to play as, as probably they're going to be. I heard, but Tonga Viola, you know, he's recovering from this hip injury, but when he first got hurt, you know he was compared to Bo Jackson, right? They say, like, and, and Bo Jackson never came back from his hip injury, so... Uh, that's why I'm saying buyer beware. Like I, I would, if I'm Tonga Viola, if if let me look at it from the other side. If I'm a general manager, I don't want him, and it's going to be hard to pass him up, especially if you are a team that needs a quarterback. Uh, that's that's going to be hard because you're going to take him, and then you're just going to keep your fingers crossed, and he's not well, going to be a hundred percent by April. Fingers crossed. I mean, they're going to run him through. You know, run them through the ringer for you know testing and and uh, you know the the orthopedic stuff and all the doctor you know crews are going to be checking him out and he's going to have to be cleared and, and you know and all these things. So so they're not they're not just going to take him on a wing and a prayer. I mean this you know he'll be more scrutinized uh, you know probably than any player in the draft because of of his history. But uh, uh, you know so again it's uh, uh, you know and look at the flip side. How many guys have a great year? They don't come out, and then they drop twenty spots the next year. You know, so it's a it's very very tough thing. I, you know, I think if you get to the spot where you're ready to be picked, you know, where you think you're, you're highly, then you go. Now we're talking a different thing with an O'Shea Brissett or a uh, you know uh, you know even I was actually surprised Deion Waiters went as high as he did because he didn't have a you know full starting college year, and. Um, you know, so those guys, I didn't think Tyler Lydon was ready to come out, uh, yep. you know, where he could have benefited from the extra year. Because you want to maximize, you only get the one shot at it. Uh, and the one thing, let's, let's look at the flip side with, with these, you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, power forwards. Um, you know, they come out and they have their one chance because next year there's a whole new crop coming behind you. Yep. And if we look at a few guys, uh, uh, you know, Arenze Onowaku got hurt at the wrong time. Then there was a lockout, and then he never really got in the groove again because there was new crops coming yeah. up behind him. Uh, Tyler Lydon, he's out of his cycle where he had his chance. He was a first-round pick, got some, uh, you know, got his couple-year contract, 
you know, never latched on, and now he's kind of set adrift. And so, you know, it is, it's a very touchy thing, and I, I don't know that there's an answer. Uh, you know, the bottom line is he's, you know, what, a million bucks ahead or two million bucks ahead of where he would have been. Uh, right. But, you know, would he have benefited from staying? I think he would have. Now you look at a Jeremy Grant, who I also don't think was ready to come out. Uh, but yet not only did he make it, but he thrived. You know, he ended up going to a place where he could play and find a spot because the team sucked. And he developed, got the they got development chance, and now he made True. the, you know, the leap to the uh, you know regular player, and and now he's a, a legitimate NBA player with a you know with a you know, eight figure contract. So, uh, so it's a it's a it's a very dicey thing. So much is just dependent on the situation you come into, and at the end of the day, you gotta, you know, you gotta get a break, and you gotta you gotta take advantage of it when you get it. Now O'Shea's in the league because guys got hurt. Well, you know, and, he ended and my up in Toronto on their right. development league, and now he's playing. My 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 thing on Tonga Viola is the idea that you're talking about a guy that has this this hip injury that is such a debilitating injury, and whether or not he comes back is is a is a question mark. And yeah, you, you know, I understand it from his standpoint. I do. I question it from a GM standpoint, and I'm if, if my team because. You know, I like a lot of teams in the NFL. I have I have a weird NFL thing. Uh, I like a bunch of teams because I have history with a bunch of teams. And when I have those teams, and if they have a high draft pick, I don't want them. I don't want them because then he's a bust. Because then two years from now, and he's got hip problems, and you know, the next thing you know, he's not the player that he was in college. And then you you know, I I, I it's buyer beware. That that that's the whole thing for me. All that's, right, back to that's SU. Absolutely yeah. true. And. Well, clearly, just to complete, clearly he feels sure. he's going to be 100%. Teams will have to clear that he's a, feel he's 100%. Look, look no farther than Zion Williamson. He hasn't played a game yet. Uh, you know, can't remember a guy came in with more hype uh, than him in the last 10 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's worse for a you know, 280-pound power forward who jumps to the moon than a knee injury? And, uh, you know, so now are they going to just you know, sit him for the whole year? Who knows? But uh, but there's there's a perfect case of a guy who came in, Greg Oden, never beat uh, uh, injuries, and uh, you know never never had his career go. Uh, no question, no 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 question about it. All right, back to SU hoops in a second. Uh, Donna Detota from Syracuse.com and the Post Standard will join us. Uh, that's her regular Tuesday spot. Uh, Syracuse takes on Virginia Tech tonight. This is the uh, this is the pregame show. Come on, the pregame show starts now, and it's just seventeen hours of pregame coverage for Syracuse and Virginia Tech right here on Twitch.com slash Cuse Sports Talk and. ESPN Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. That's right. The renaming of the shows. Danny Shaves is with me. Then Roosevelt Bowie, Atan Thomas, and Pauly are all at 11 o'clock. Pauly is sleeping in. He's not even awake yet. How about that? Uh, Donna DeTota joins us on the Burdick Toyota guest line, as she does every Tuesday at 10.15, right here on ESPN Syracuse. Uh, welcome. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. If I say Donna, Danny Shays to you, what comes you to mind? Have, uh, now the big lineup. Before you had Seth all to himself, now you got uh, got me jumping in. So it's uh, it's definitely we've definitely upgraded for you. <laughs> 
Uh, well, thanks, Danny. I appreciate that. I appreciate you helping me out there. <laughs> yeah, we added a little, a little uh, dignity. Um, now, two days later, what did you take away from Saturday in cause for optimism heading into this game against Virginia Tech? Well, cause for optimism, oh, God, it's tough to pick something optimistic from that game. I think Syracuse really needed to win that game. I mean, it was certainly winnable um, against a team that really doesn't guard you that well. Um, they got a, you know, they shot the, the lights out from three. I mean, when you score 87 points and don't win, that's, that's not a cause for optimism. I guess that's the cause for, for uh, the absolute opposite of, of optimism. I mean, you know, there's, they can score. Syracuse can score. I think they've proven that. Um, I, they can't guard anybody, and they can't rebound, and those are two really concerning things as the season keeps going on. Well, what's interesting, Don, is that we've been talking from the beginning is how does this team push into its strengths, minimize its weaknesses, uh, and we're, we haven't quite seen that yet. I mean, we've got a situation where they're, they're scoring better. I'm, I, you know, I, I think they're going to have to end up even shooting more threes over time instead of less. Uh, they haven't yet figured out, as you mentioned, a way to, to score inside or get to the line much. And uh, but you know, on the defensive end, they're you know really rebounding with five guys is about the only adjustment they can make. Is they don't have anything in the cupboard to put in. Uh, so I think it's this is going to be more of a case where uh, you know how do they uh, you know you know gang rebound on the one side and, and and maybe scramble more, press a little bit more on the defensive end to, just to mix it up. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to press, though, because, I mean, if they press, they, he's only going to run six or seven guys out there, and pressing, is, it seems to be like a way to sort of deplete the energy that they have to sort of conserve as the game is going on. So I don't know if they'll press all that much. I really wish the guards would rebound more. I really wish the guards would make an effort to get some rebounds, and, and that has not happened. Um, you know, uh, I think at this point, Syracuse just has to say, listen, we're going to have to outscore this team. We're, we're not stopping teams. We just have to put our best offensive lineup out there, and just try to score more points on the other team. But for, you know, this is another opponent. We're talking with Donna DeToto from Syracuse.com and the Post Standard. You know, there's another team that shoots a ton of threes. I mean, not yes. as much as what was it, Niagara? Like, it, 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 it's 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 just it's going to be offense, offense, offense. And if you're not shooting, and you can't teach that, like sometimes they're, they 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 don't get the shots or the shots don't fall and. I don't want that to be the shrug your shoulders, oh, well, shucks again kind of moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I, I know. I, I hear exactly what you're saying. You know, I, I think that the game with Virginia Tech is, is going to be a little bit different than the game against Notre Dame because Notre Dame had something that Virginia Tech doesn't have. They have a really good big, big guy center. who can score, yeah. who can rebound, um, you, you know, just a big space-eating guy in the middle and, and who does a lot of – he's a skilled and does a lot of things. Um, and I, I, Georgia Tech – I mean, uh, Virginia Tech does not have that guy. Virginia Tech's center is a is 6-7. I mean the guy they put out there at center is 6-7. They they have a lot of shooters, they spread the floor. Um and they're a different team than Syracuse. I mean the challenge for it's a different team than than uh Notre Dame. The challenge for Syracuse is can they get out to those shooters? Right, cuz what we've seen even against small teams they have not been an inside presence or had an inside presence. Um, you know, when they played Niagara, they still weren't, you know, going inside or, or, or you know, getting any real inside advantage. So I think, uh, you know, short of O'Shea Brissett coming in and, or sorry, O'Shea Brissett. Um, Quincy Garrier. <laughs> Quincy see, Garrier. We just talked about yeah. him in the last segment, so I had yeah, a little, yeah, little yeah. brain lock there. Um, you know, short of guys getting in and posting up, 
right? Uh, you know, you were just not going to see much of an inside presence, and uh, they're certainly not uh, uh, going to Sidibe. You know, Dolajai is not going to be a post-up guy all of a sudden. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, as Quincy Guerrier develops uh, and you know, may give you some of that, uh, other than that, it's Elijah Hughes going to the rim. And so there's, uh, you know, Jesse Edwards, uh, you know, maybe along along the season gets a little uh, you know, a little more look in there, but, uh, uh, you know, there's not, like I said, there's, there's not much in the cupboard, to, you know, to put in there on the inside. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that Jesse will play. I, I think I like Jesse. I, I think I've said this before. I think he's a talented offensive player. I think he's going to be good. Um, but I don't know if tomorrow is the day that you play him just because they're going to, they're going to run so many guys at the three point line. And now you're going to have to have a seven foot guy go out and guard the corners, which is not ideal really. Um, so I, I, I don't know that he'll play that much tomorrow, but I think he will. I, I'm hoping he will play a little bit more as the season progresses, because at this point, you know, you have to sort of weigh, what are you getting from Barama and what could you potentially get from Jesse? You know, if, if Barama is getting, is getting, getting for you 12 or 15 rebounds and, you know, a couple of points and a couple of block shots, then you say, yeah, he's valuable. He's a valuable guy to keep in the game. But if he's not giving you that, then, then maybe you try somebody who can score a little bit or, you know, might be inexperienced, might not be able to guard in there, but it's not like Barama's doing a bang-up job of either of those things. So, I, I mean, I think maybe looking forward, Jesse could be a guy. I just don't necessarily see him playing all that much tonight just because they're so small. I mean, uh, tonight I would imagine you're going to see Marek more in the middle and Quincy more on the, on the, uh, in, on the forward spot than you would have anything else. We're talking to Donna DeToto from Syracuse.com. And, uh, Danny, I don't know if you saw, but Donna did an amazing uh, profile with O'Shea Brissett, speaking of, uh, when she went up to go see him in the G League. Now he's up with the NBA team, and he's getting consistent minutes. Have you had a chance to see him? And, heaven forbid, have you had a chance to com- uh, contact him in, in any way, shape, or form since he's been up with the big, uh, with the big Raptors? I haven't, but you know, it doesn't really surprise me that he's been up there because they've had some injuries. And what they yeah. what they told me when I was there was that they really want him to. They think he could be a really good defender. And at this point in his very young career, you know, if you bring somebody up from the G League team, you know, and you, you put him in the game to guard somebody. I mean, I, I think that's. And he's another also a guy who can run the floor. You know, he's a really good rebounder, and so I think those are the things that they wanted him to do. And I think he's done fairly well when he's gotten in the games for them. Yeah, it's been very, very cool indeed. All right, enjoy the game uh, tonight. Uh, we'll talk to you. Oh, you know what, Danny? I excuse me one second. Uh, has there been any update in your racing schedule? Have you done any races recently? I'm. I. I you know what? I almost. I got all. I'm all thrown off with this new show here. Just make sure I stay focused, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I did uh, run in a race in Saratoga on New Year's Eve, which was, it was like a five thirty p.m. race. So it was really fun. Well, it was fun, and then I got out to run around, you know, on, on New Year's Eve before, you know, having uh, a couple of drinks at these later that night. But um, it was a super hilly course in Saratoga. So if you're going to run in the Saratoga and New Year's Eve race, just be warned. It's uh, it's tougher than you might think. Well, that's Fair than nice. I would think. You know, lose weight while you drink. I mean, I think that's a that's a good combination. <laughs> run the race first, and then. Uh... <laughs> You know, you know uh, then replenish. Is that called carbo, carbo loading? Is that, is that what that's called? Yes, it's, it's reverse carbo loading. Yeah, I think that's what that is. Um, so, but the most inspiring thing about that race was, you know, so if you run in any of these local races, what happens is before the race, everybody goes to the bath. You have everybody pees before the race, and so could you drink a ton of water before the race? And so I was in the line to the bathroom, and there was a lady in there who is an older lady, and, I, and so I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder how old, you know, how old she is, and she. This lady is 84 years old, and she was oh running in a, in a 5K on New Year's Eve. So God bless that woman. Yeah. 
Uh, we, we'd all sign for it. We'd all sign for it. No right? question about it. And she looked all great. Right. She, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's, that's my anyway. little motto for the day. There you go. Very, very inspiring. All right. Uh, run, Donna DeToto from Syracuse.com. <laughs> That's right. Syracuse.com and the Post Standard. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye. All right. And the, by the way, I just have to say, can we somebody get a screen grab of the Twitch stream? Because Danny doesn't have his cameras set up right now, right? So he's a still image. And... Donna was a still image because she's on the phone and I'm just bopping my head in between the thing and it looks literally like the Brady Bunch. Like I felt like if I just like turned my head to the left or right, I would be like right in the middle where Alice used to be and I could look to the left and look to the right, look up and you'd see all the boxes. We should just get everybody who's not on camera. If you're on mic and not on camera, we just get a still picture and we could shuffle the deck and we could do like a Brady Bunch thing. All right. Well, uh, we'll- camera. What, are you, what are you talking about? I'm just not moving very much. <laughs> I'm a ventriloquist. See, I my lips aren't moving, but I'm talking. See how that works? <laughs> Yeah, very nice. I'm You're doing a very, very talent. I'm, bang I'm up, bang up job. It's a bang up job. All right, we'll continue here with more of Centers of Attention. The first part. This is ESPN Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. All right, back here on ESPN Syracuse, Seth Everett, Danny Shays with you right here on this Tuesday morning. Don't forget, I keep remembering. Okay, Roosevelt Bowie, Etan Thomas, and Pauly are all coming up at the top of the hour. Did I get that right? Did I mess that up? I have... Nope, you did it perfect. Okay, I got it so far. Okay. Um, while we were talking to Donna, uh, <laughs> Twitter blew up. And now what's trending are the New York football giants because Carolina came to an agreement with Baylor head coach Matt Rule. And the only reason why that's trending on social media is because every source coming out of the giants was saying that Matt Rule was their number, their first choice. And that makes me smile, not because... I, I, look, I don't know if Matt Rule's going to be a good coach or not. I mean, I, I, if, if Matt Rule was named the Giants coach right now, I don't have a reaction because who knows how, what this guy's going to be. You know, a, a lot of people thought like, there's a lot of coaches that were going to be great. Here's where this story gets interesting. is I'd like to know what photos Dave Gettleman has of the Maras in a compromising position. Because for some cockamamie reason... This guy is still the general manager of the New York Giants. He has not done what his Odell Beckham trade was dumb. His signing of his picking up of Eli Manning's $20 million option was dumb. He gets all this credit in the world for Saquon Barkley at number two, which no offense, I would have drafted Saquon Barkley at number two. And Daniel Jones is not Tom Brady. But Dave Gettleman continues to persevere. He's been through two coaches now, and now you're getting two of the third. And the one guy you wanted, which was not Mike McCarthy, who, by the way, spent a night at Jerry Jones's house this weekend. I don't know if you saw that story. 
But Jerry Jones has you over to his house. Could you imagine if he stays at his mansion and then gets up the next morning over toast and it says, eh, nah, I'm not going to be your coach. I'm, I just wanted to hang out. <laughs> like, could you, could you imagine if that didn't happen? Yeah, so the guy, the, they, the guy they should have hired was McCarthy, but that's okay. That's the guy the Jets should have hired last year. But Mike McCarthy's the Cowboys, and now Matt Rule is with the, the, um, the Carolina Panthers. And Dave Gettleman continues to have a job. And I don't understand it. Here's what's going to happen. The Giants are going to wind up hiring Jason Garrett, and it's going to just be a big merry-go-round. And everybody's going to know everybody, and everybody's going to just trade. trade. It's like the Mad Magazine game. Everybody change places with the person on your left. That's what it's going to be. Well, just the interesting point about that, it does kind of beg the question that why is Carolina a better job than the Giants? Um, and, um, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if you're Matt rule, you've, you know, you're looking at those two and, uh, you know, picking Carolina, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's right. an interesting indication of what the giants are looking like right now. And, you know, it's funny because Josh McDaniels is the only other guy you could think of. And I think Josh McDaniels, because, you know, the history of Josh McDaniels is he was offered and accepted the Indianapolis Colts job and then changed his mind within like 10 hours. And what I think happened is Robert Kraft, can I make the joke? Is it too is it too soon? So Robert Kraft yeah, grabbed his cell phone on his way out of the massage parlor and then called called Josh McDaniels and said, "You're the heir apparent to Belichick. Don't go. Don't go." And Josh McDaniels didn't do it, and he screwed Indianapolis. But if if the Patriots say you're the heir apparent to Belich- to Belichick, you're the heir apparent to Belichick. So I don't think Josh McDaniels is coming to the Giants. It's going to be Jason Garrett, and it's it's going to be literally like the last man standing, and it's lame. It's just it's it's just one. It, it just it's it's lame because the Giants, and I said this last week, and Danny, you tell me if you disagree. There are certain teams in sports that have how do I say it? They have the 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 ranking of the upper echelon. Their ownership groups were instrumental in the growth of the league. And I'll give you the example. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the creme de la creme of the league. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether they're high or low, whether they're good or bad, the Pittsburgh Steelers are always known as one of the stalwarts of the league. And so are the New York Giants. The New York Giants are not a joke. And they're not, they are, they are a proud, proud franchise. And I'm stunned by how embarrassing this whole thing has been. And when they fired Pat Shermer last week, what John Mara should have done is he should have come out, cleaned house, said we're firing the general manager too, and start over. And if they wound up with Jason Garrett, I'm fine with that. The problem is it's Dave Gettleman and Jason Garrett. Like, it's just, it's a bad combination no matter how you look at it. Well, and part of this situation, too, that, that uh, and I don't know who's really out there who has that kind of stature, uh, but very often in these situations, to get a big-time head coach, you also put him in the position of, uh, you know, having authority over the GM or at least, you know, decision-making authority beyond just being the head coach. And for some of the you know, marquee franchises, there's a spot for that. So I don't know that that last shoe has dropped. Like I said, off the top of my head, I don't know who that guy is. But uh, but it may take 
uh, you know, giving somebody a little bit more than just a chance, right? The, the Giants aren't the kind of team that they're going to take a relative unknown and give them a chance. Uh, you know, I think that they're going to have to look for somebody, uh, which does beg the Mike McCarthy question. Uh, but, you know, somebody with some cachet who's going to uh, you yeah. know, make an impact. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, okay, uh, next story. Uh, next story. I got the article. I saw it on Twitter when we started, and I knew we had Donna, so I didn't want to bring it up, but there's another cheating scandal in baseball, and it has to do with sign stealing. You know, the Astros have done this whole thing where, like, it took 17 guys to steal signs, and the rumor was they were illegally using cameras to steal the signs, and then they were banging on a garbage can and telling the hitters what the pitch was going to come. And so, anyway, so uh, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drylich, who are two really great reporters, they write for The Athletic, and they wrote this article. And in 2018... There was a rule set forth in Major League Baseball that said replay rooms cannot be used to help steal signs. The newly clarified rules, in combination with the fines the league levied on Boston and New York in 2017, was intended to end replay room uh, shenanigans. And apparently they didn't. And in 2018, they used the video room to steal signs and get messages to the guys in the batting cage. And <laughs> that's cheating. That is cheating. He says, one person who was with the 2018 Red Sox, here's a quote, it's cheating because if you're using a camera to zoom in on the crotch of the catcher to break down the sign system, then take that information and give it out to the runner, then he doesn't have to steal it. <laughs> that is... Well, that it is does, cheating. I mean, when you you know, it does take the pressure off the guy stealing the signs, and now you can have somebody else stealing the signs, right? So that's you know that's kind of, that's kind of a good thing. But um, you know, it's funny because you think about just you know getting these incremental advantages, and you know the same thing happens in you know in, in the NBA to an extent. Team comes down, calls two up. Everybody knows what two up is. So you know you're kind of self stealing the signs, and. Uh, but does the fact that you know the play help you stop it, right? Because if you're a good player... No, but if you're a you, hitter and you know the pitch that's coming, it helps a ton. No, I, it I got it. Ton. But, I mean, when you think about the amount of time it, you know, between pitches and to be able to, you know, zing-zang the, you know, the bang the garbage can trick and over here and over there and get it, you know, I mean, what, the guy goes down two fingers, three fingers, nod, throw. I mean, it's, uh, you know, as a non-baseball guy... Uh, I always find this really intriguing because when you watch the game, it, you know, it's not like there's you know, 12 seconds to get this thing figured out, right? I mean, the guy you know, flashes a couple of fingers, the pitcher nods, off goes the pitch, and between there and there, you got to figure out what the pitch is, wind up. You know, it's, it, uh, you know, so, so, so how big an issue is this? Meaning that, like, wow. how is it every game? Is it every player? Let me, let me give you this. Let me give you this line. Give me the lowdown. I got one more line because we're up against the clock. I'll give you one more line that is just chuckle-worthy. Uh, the Red Sox in 2018, which is when this allegedly happened, were under a first-year manager, Alex Cora, whom, according to reports, played a key role in devising the sign-stealing system the Astros used in 2017 when he was the team's bench coach. What's, what's the smoking gun there? 
Alex Cora is the cheater. And what town does he manage a team for? Boston. And what's his inspiration? Belichick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look at this. It's, it's, uh, it looks like it's a good job, you know, job benefit if you're a good sign stealer, right? He got the manager's job. So. so I think you have to put it out there that you're a good sign stealer. You got a good system. Yep, exactly, exactly. All right, uh, we'll take another time out. This is twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk, ESPN Syracuse as well. This is Centers of Attention right here on ESPN Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. So how has the earlier hour affected your life, Danny? Uh, well, actually, the um, from a logistical standpoint, it's got me off the hook of taking my son to school. So, <laughs> but does that put you a, in the doghouse? Did that? Did I, I'm that... saying we haven't figured out if it's a plus or a minus yet. But yeah, uh, plus, yeah. I get you to might hang get in trouble for more. something like that. Yeah, yeah, get to hang out with you more. So yes, you what do. Could be better. <laughs> what could be better? Um, so the Golden Globes were Sunday, and I didn't see it Sunday night because I was traveling. Uh, but I saw a bunch of clips online, and there were two things I wanted to take away from it that I wanted to ask you about. Number one was Ricky Gervais, who supposedly he just ripped Hollywood to shreds. He took shots that were low blows to everyone, and he's getting nothing but praise for it. And I just think it's funny that in this world of political correctness, what we really need is a good old-fashioned hysterical comic. And I saw his opening monologue online, and I thought it was great. I thought it wasn't mean. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was shots, but it was all stuff that the, that the, 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 the viewer could enjoy. But everybody who was at the butt of the joke, like, I never mind being the butt of a joke. You know what I mean? I, it, it doesn't bother me in this, if it's funny. If it's mean, then it's not good. You know what I'm saying? Well, then I have a problem. Yeah, there's a here's there's right. a fine you know, line, and he didn't cross rooms, it. Sports locker rooms are the most un-PC places in the sure. world, right? Everything's fair game, and it's fair game because what's what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room, right? There's that there's that code. But I mean, it's talking about you know cutting guys down, bad nicknames, uh, you know, don't show up, you know, with your pants being an inch short, you know, you'll never live it down, kind of thing. And so I kind of miss that good natured, you know, like take a joke. Uh, you know, have fun with it. This whole PC thing is getting a little much. Here's the other thing I don't understand. Cultural appropriation, right? Oh, Johnny Depp did a commercial honoring Native Americans, but because he wasn't a natural Native American, it's cultural appropriation, so they had to pull the spot because it... I'm like, what? Um, what, I can't wear a Hawaiian shirt in Hawaii because I'm, you know, appropriating Hawaiian culture? It's like, I don't... I have, I have no idea what this point is of cultural appropriation. You know, I can't wear moccasins or, or I can't wear a Hawaiian shirt or a something. You know, I, I don't get it. And, uh, you know, this well, PC thing has gotten, you know, I think a, like we're, everything is so, you know, take everything is so serious, meaning in a bad way, serious, uh, right? Like, yep. you, know, you can't make a joke. And so, dude, it's an award show. Take a joke. I mean, that was the whole point. That was the whole point. The right. Okay, so... And, uh, so- so and one other thing the from the so one other thing from the from the awards that you know we're obsessed here with the Mandalorian the the Star Wars show and Baby Yoda and Baby Yoda is all the rage right and Taika Waititi was at the Golden Globes and he tells somebody that they know the real name of 
Baby Yoda. His his name is not Baby Yoda, and the only reason why everybody's calling it his new his, his, that calling him that is because he looks like Yoda, and no one knows else what to call him. So he's Baby Yoda, and that's that's where it comes from. And Taika Waititi on Twitter this morning wrote. When he saw the story, it says, Taika Waititi says he and John Favreau know the, na- the real name of the child. He's not Baby Yoda. Drop your guesses for his real name. And Taika Waititi tweeted, I think it's Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Mr. Spock's first name, but I'm not going to say because I don't want to blow this up. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. And as he uh, said, co- you couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> coming up, Tom Thomas, Roosevelt Bowie, Paulie Sibilia, they're all coming up at the top of the hour. Danny and I will be back. Well, Danny's coming up tonight on the pregame. I'll be with Eric Devendorf on the postgame. Happy birthday to Buckshot. Buckshot Goldberg is 21 years old today. Happy birthday, Buckshot. This is ESPN Syracuse.